Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hello listeners, you're tuned in to Queering Out on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your on your AM dial, and I'm joining the studio today with Claire. Um, but first, I'm just going to give an acknowledgement of country. Um, we're broadcasting from stolen land, the land of the Kulin Nations, and I'd like to pay my respects to Indigenous elders past, present, and future, and acknowledge any Indigenous queer, trans, sister girls, brother boys listening. Um... Cool. So we've got a bit of a packed show for you, talking about a few fringe events today, um, including Promo Moco and Trans Travaganza, as well as hopefully airing some um, so an interview I did with Mary Tomzik about some criticisms of the Yes campaign, um, because Mary wrote an article in Overland called Marriage Stinks. Um, but first we, we have... Claire in the studio. So how are you, Claire? I'm good, thanks. How are you, Iris? I'm okay. It's just been a strange weekend, really. Been yeah. a bit, uh, you know, when you have those sadder weekends, that's yeah. been my weekend. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. You're like, oh boy, this is odd, these uh, things sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so first, Claire, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, I am a comedian and I'm a writer. Um, uh, I have, I normally, so I kind of did, did, have done comedy on the stand-up circuit for a long time and it's, um, it's kind of, you know, uh, there's lots of people on it, but it's kind of dominated by a certain kind of voice, Uh, um, you know, the the male cis white voice, so, uh, and I do kind of odd kind of comedy, and then I met Kimberly Twiner, who's the who's kind of the head honcho of Popomoco, and she's like, "Come join Popomoco, it'll be a great space." I'm like, cool. <laughs> I've also got a bit of a cold, so my voice sounds kind of nasally today. Mm, nasally voices, I relate to that. <laughs> when will winter be over? I know, <laughs> never. It shakes its frosty fist at us. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> Um, cool. So, yeah, how did Pomomoko come about? Pomomoko? Well, it kind of... um, So, uh, the majority of Pomomoko studied theatre at a theatre school called John Bolton Theatre School. And they were like, we want uh, somewhere which is, like, alternative and queer where we can perform and make new work and... So a bunch of them came from there and then Kimberly also, she studied at like a clown school in France and she also, she's from Queensland and so she also studied like theatre and stuff. So she brought like a bunch of us, like she, she knew from all kind of performing areas together, pretty much from, you know, there were some people that would were also from um, clown school in France who came along and stuff and kind of did some, you know, made some stuff in like her lounge room in like, East Brunswick, and then we got to perform at uh, Hares and Hyenas. So that's kind of where we resident, where we were kind of more residents there, like every month generally. Um, 
and we've been putting on shows nearly every month the past like uh, since January 2016. Yeah, and now we're doing a show in the Melbourne Fringe. We're in a huge venue too. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, wow, how exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I thought, I think I forgot to explain that um, the name of your comedy troupe is post, like comes from post postmodern comedy. So it's just like the first two letters of. Yeah, exactly. Post postmodern comedy. It's like a piss take of, you know, you know, because post postmodernism is about the kind of new earnestness, and, and comedy often doesn't have that kind of new new age earnestness in it. So we're kind of making. It was kind of like a cool idea, and also it just sounds really good, popo moco, but people often. Um, they're like, sorry, what's your show called? Pinoco? And we're like, no, it's not Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so you kind of describe yourself as the most divorce queer comedy troupe. Um, could you tell us about what's in store for your show? Well. So lots of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So we're, um, we're trying to, we're going with a more of a, like a lean line of like a kind of Aussie life gone queer, you know, flipping the hetero. Um, narrative and just um, like like we've got a bunch of like kind of uh, kind of like we're addressing some tropes of like Australian domestic hetero stuff and then applying real kind of queer theory and things to it to make it you know kind of in a comedy way so you know mm. make people think they're laughing I guess and it's like kind of um, like we've got some wild ideas coming around and it's like a new show as well uh it's a we did a show which is uh which we also called recreation leisure it's called popomoko presents recreation leisure we did a show uh, with the same title um back in april but this is a different show to that it's a new show it's like you know we're trying to go deeper and stronger and queerer mm, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds Sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, where where can any listeners to show who are interested find out more or and when are your performances on? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you uh, listeners can go on uh, Facebook and search Popo Moco, or you can look us up in the Fringe Guide. Um, the if you just type in Popo Moco into the Fringe if you search bar, I'm sure our web our show should come up. Um, we're on from the 23rd to the 30th of September, and uh, not including the 25th because that's Monday. We're getting Mondays off. We're on at 9:15 p.m. Uh, at we're at the Lithuanian Club in the ballroom, and yeah, you can, tickets are available through the Melbourne Fringe site, and you should follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Our Instagram is at po and popomoko, but in between each bit, uh, popomoko is an underscore. <laughs> it's just kind of hard as a po underscore underscore, you know. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, so you're just on the Facebook. Any other of those social media platforms? Uh, we're on Facebook or we're on Instagram. Uh, we have a Twitter, but we um, don't really update it enough. <laughs> so follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, and uh, come. Uh, I think we'll, I think if you search Popomoko on YouTube, I'm sure you can find some of our stuff, maybe. But yeah, and come along to the show. It's it's gonna be wild and fun, and I don't think there's anything else like it. You know, there's like people come to the show and they're like, "That was amazing. I haven't seen anything like that." So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I hope you have 
a really good run and you get lots of really good feedback from performances and it's been lovely having you in. Yeah, it's been lovely being here. Thank you. <laughs> so thanks for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I th- so next we're going to um, play Natural Woman by Kate and then after that Baby Goy by Ken Derry. So stay tuned for that. Kate with Natural Woman and Kendari with Baby Goy. So I'm joined here on the phone with Zachariah. Um, can you hear me? Hey, yeah, I can. Cool. So so you're a member of Miriam Collective, which is putting on an event this coming weekend called Trans Travaganza. Um, That's right. Yeah, I wonder if you could tell me something, some tell listeners about Myriad Collective and then the event yeah. that you're part of. Sure, sure. So Myriad Collective um, kind of came from this other project that uh, our two of our collective from now, Jinghua and um, Darcy Tigank, worked in called Reframing Gender. Um, and from there, the next year after that, kind of named it Mirad Collective and then we it's been four years now I think this is on our fourth year um and that that's kind of a little bit about Mirad Collective we mostly work um on putting exhibition and putting performances on uh we've mostly just done once a year event and uh, what's exciting is this year is the first year that we're kind of putting on um a performance and an exhibition on a more, uh, I guess, like mainstream platform, like Fringe. <laughs> um, and that's what Transtravaganza is like. So we are opening this weekend um, on the 16th of September. So at 5.30, the exhibition is exhibition opening. And at 7.30, we have this show on. Um uh, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit about it. I think uh, other information's kind of you can sort of find, but um, that's a little bit of a background. Yeah, cool. Thanks for that. Um, so, so more about this, more about trans travaganza. Can you tell us a mm. bit about the event and the exhibition? Who is featuring in this lineup? Um, so we're. We're pretty um, lucky this time around because we have, uh, and also because we we got um, to work with Footscray Committee Art Centre, um, we have a full-length show, so that means um, we can put as as many artists as we can, but we sort of just decided that we're going to uh, get five artists and then do like a longer show. Um, so it's, it's a, a little bit different from our past events. Um so this time round, we have Elijah Montgomery, um, Leon and Dove Quinn, um, Lovejoy, Rena, Rena Peterson and Yelris performing, um, and it's it's a it's a little bit like a variety show. So um, Rena will be dancing, Leon and Don um, and Dove Quinn has like this really cool um, absurdist theatre piece. Uh, it's like a physical theater, and it's a ad- uh, it's adaptation of Eugene um, mm. UNESCO's The Chairs, and it's called Imagine Chairs. It's going to be really great. Um, and we have Lovejoy, um, 
who's going to be singing a lot, doing some poetry, and Yalrose, who does techno music, really, really talented. Um, and everything's going to be sort of one after the other, but like with the mix, and we have Elijah doing some monster work. If you haven't heard of Elijah's monster work, um, it's it's um, it's a, it's more it's more immersive than uh, you know your usual live performance. So I think it's going to be a treat for people who are coming. But we're excited because we're going to be on the Fringe Festival, and although we are competing with other mainstream sort of artists, there's going to be so many performances on at the same time. Um, but we're, we're kind of confident that. You know, this is this is a bit niche, a little bit more niche, and we have our own um, our own audience that we've built, but also hoping to also get you know audiences from a little bit from the mainstream as well. Mm, cool. So, how can our listeners that are interested in trans travaganza support Myriad and an event? I guess. Yeah, we can. What were the dates again? So the dates are Saturday, 16th of September, 7.30, um, and then Sunday, 17th of, of September, 2 p.m., and then again at 7.30 p.m. So we have three shows and one matinee. The exhibition is on for a month. It's month-long. They're all in Fitzgerald Community Arts Centre. Bigger pardon. Um, and with... Um, uh, queering the air listeners um, obviously we, because we're in fringe we have like one ticket price it's like quite uh, it's quite full on because it's a little bit expensive so what we have done is that for listeners that are listening today if you if you want to come along um, when you're checking out at print the fringe website um, just put the code word TRANS, so that's T-R-A-N-S, all capital letter, and you'll get like a $10 ticket. And if you can't afford it, just email myself. Um, everybody should, if you want to know more about it, just go find Myriad Collective. That's M-Y-R-I-A-D space C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E um, on Facebook. Um, and then just click on trans and just message one person. Uh, it'll probably get to me if you can't afford it. And if you really, really want to come, um, just just message me and I'll give you out a free ticket. Um, is that, what else do you think I should say? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think that's, that's about it. Hey, so. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. I think um, for listeners who didn't know Iris also performed with us last year. Um, just give me one second. One second. I think my alarm was going off. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, Iris, you performed last, uh, was it last year or this year? It was this year. This year, this year. At Transpossible. Um, so I think it's going to be a great show and... Um, I'm also looking forward to working with you again, Iris, but this is just a, another performance that we're putting on. And if you can't make it to this one as well, just follow us. And then, you know, we, we're kind of aiming for one or two 
um, performance and exhibition every year. So, yeah, just follow us. Yeah, exciting. Yeah. 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 Cool. We should all. Yeah, I hope to see as many people as possible at Trans Travaganza and Myriad to continue yeah. on in the future and and yeah do all this amazing stuff. Yeah, hopefully. Well, if we get people coming, then we know we still need to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if people are interested in becoming part of the collective as well, obviously, like messages as well. Uh, we're always looking for new collective members. Um, the more collective members we have, the more we can do, um, and the less work we're doing, really, <laughs> like individually. Um, so yeah, that's. I think that's about it. Yeah, that's it. Thanks. It's no been worries, a pleasure. Cyrus. Bye. And that was Zachariah from Miriam Collective talking about trans travaganza. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au. Hello listeners, you're tuned in to Queering Me Out on 3CR Community Radio and I'm Iris here in the studio on this probably a sunny afternoon, I guess. Um, yeah, so next I have for you an interview I did with Mary Tomzik who wrote an article along with um, another person in Overland talking about some of the problems with um, the Yes campaign, and I suppose in recent weeks there's been a few different articles published going around, and yeah, there was one in The Guardian that talked about um, is it really going to be a win if the Yes campaign ignores some of the most marginalised people in LGBTIQ communities, and it asked some pointed questions about why the the mainstream organisations, the big organisations, responded to the the No Campaigns ad with an ad that didn't even challenge the trans misogyny that was in that ad. And instead it just, um, it just pretty much just went to this appeal to respectability and conservatism. So there's a lot of things to be thinking about beyond just, um, just yes, I guess. So there's a lot of questions and I th- yeah, so I'm just going to play that interview and I hope um, listeners get something out of it. Yeah, I'm wondering if you could introduce yourself first. Sure. Thanks, Maris. Um, yep, my name's Mary. And um, yeah, I guess I'm a researcher. I'm a historian by training and working at the University of Melbourne. And I co-wrote this with my colleague, Geordie Silverstein, who... Um, we share an office and so we discuss issues as well as our work and this was one that um, 
we were talking about and I guess we felt that the things that we thought about the way the marriage equality campaign was being run um, were not things we were seeing in the public debate and Geordie said come on got us together and said come on let's write something and um, yeah so we did I, I guess as a as trying to think think through and ask people to stop and think carefully about how the marriage equality campaign is being run and what the implications of that might mean. Mm. In your article you write about how it's important not to think about marriage and the marriage equality debate ahistorically and I'm wondering if you could outline some of like the important history of marriage to consider. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a, I guess there's a long history, history to the institution, but I mean, thinking about in, in an Australian context, we didn't have a um, National Marriage Act until 1961. So in some ways, it's, it's quite a, historically speaking, it's quite a new thing to have a National, national um, Marriage Act. Um, and then, you know, prior to that, marriage gets regulated in a range of ways. Um, states and colonies, you know, have, have control over marriage in, in a state sense. And there's lots of significant ways in which some people have access to that and some people don't. Indigenous people's access to marriage is different to non-Indigenous peoples. And so there, you know, there, there is a long history, and not just in Australia, in America, in all, all other places around the world. Religious traditions have different types of um, culturally and, you know, approving different types of relationships. So there is a really long detailed history there that I think we should remember when we're when when we're when people are asking for this particular legislative change. Mm. And you also, also in your article that you co-wrote, um, yeah, you suggested like there was some things being left out. So what some things do you think is being left out in like a lot of the current discussion in terms of the history of marriage? Well, I guess it's it's some of those things, and it's I guess it's is as well about the way the campaign gets discussed is love is love. I think love has a history too. Not all marriages are about love. Many are, but many aren't. Um, and it's just thinking carefully about what, what's, what is the impact of um, kind of universalising an experience of marriage, which is not everyone's experience of marriage. Um, and different possibilities for marriage happen at different at different moments. Mm, yeah. Um, so yeah, thinking about marriage and you're know, outlining sort of like how it's functioned as like an institution in terms of um, it having being regulated by the state in terms of different like these like the Marriage Act in 1961 and other states before that um so i'm wondering like what are some of the limitations of like appeals to like the settler colonial state for recognition um, yeah i think that's a really interesting question about um what that means and it, it i mean i, I find it difficult because i don't I, ca I can't say what everyone's individual yeah. desires for their marriage are, but we can think about it at, 
at the level of an institution, I think, you know, and we, we should, um, about a particular, a sanctioning of particular relationships and kind of state approval of particular relationships. And is this something that one might want to be part of? Like, I, I think the question you ask is, is, is exactly that question is, what do people want by the state recognising their relationship in a particular way? Mm. And, I mean, I can see how you could say a religious tradition is separate to that, that if someone has particular religious beliefs, they would like their religious culture to um, approve or, you know, to bless or to um, yeah. acknowledge their relationship in, in one way. And that's that's totally un understandable and um but it's very interesting if we think of it on a on a state level and i think i think um it possibly ultimately works to value some people's relationships over others and i guess that's that's the part that i find most yeah. upsetting about it mm, yeah um following on from that i'm thinking of a radical queer group, but mostly based in the US, called Against Equality, which one of their campaigns is looking at limitations of equality as as an ideal to like aspire to and like foregrounding like like struggles for liberation. And in the US, they kind of outline a critique of marriage in the context of like people needing marriage for like important um, things like health healthcare. And in Australia, I guess, like, the terrain is different in terms of we... I wouldn't say it's, like, universal, even though it's, like, called that because there's lots of gaps and, like, it's chronically underfunded, but we, like, have a healthcare system that you don't have to be... that's not tied to marriage so much as, like, the US. Yes. Um, so, yeah, in terms of that, yeah, I'm thinking about... Um, how, how does, like... It's a, the terrain sort of like is different in different places in terms yeah. of the marriage stuff. I, th I think yeah. that's I think that's really important. Yeah, to note too, and I mean I could I could see some of those arguments being applied if someone was in a relationship with someone else in Australia and marriage was um, an easily recognisable form for immigration purposes. That that you can make some of those arguments, but in Australia, I think those cases aside the rights of people um in a um de facto relationship as is labeled by the state are the same as for marriage so yeah. it's the symbolic on that level i think it's really the symbolism of being mm -hmm. able to say i am married to call yeah. someone one's um husband or wife is what people want to have because there's there's one can still have any sort of ceremony one chooses to have to yeah. recognize or define their relationship with friends and family if that's what they choose to do yeah yeah i think it's like it's it's a bit perplexing to me when i read things on my social media that that shows that people don't understand that since 2008 like there has like because of the change in the recognition by the Australian government in 2008, which meant that same gender couples have like the same rights as like women and men couples. And yeah. yeah, a lot of people are sort of making this argument 
like this isn't a simple like debate there actually are like going to be material changes um yes. with the change to the act that was like amended by howard in 2001 yeah when like that's that thing that like arguing for was already like sort of been won yes I th yeah it's a bit strange it is interesting but and but yet at the same time this is really deeply felt by many people yeah. as being something that will be important um and and i think the, the the point you raise about issues of um a kind of a liberal argument versus a liberation argument are yeah. essentially at the heart of it and and a sense of a liberal notion of choice is something that is seen as as important and as desirable but i think it does show also the power that marriage still holds within society um if if we say that mm. for the vast majority of people rights are not something or you know daily practical things are not things they need but they want access to this institution and want to be labeled as such it does have currency and I want to know why. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess it's... Yeah, it's interesting because people, like... Like, people have been marrying, like, less. And it's sort of, like, in long-term sort of decline in... I don't know exactly the stats on that. But, um... Yeah, and yet, as you... As was mentioned, I, I still think... Yeah, a lot of people aren't marrying, but they're still, like, very much, I guess, like, in this marriage model, and that sort of seems entrenched in terms of, like, coupledom and stuff. And I'm wondering, like, what you... Like, what was written in the article in terms of imagining, like, like, possibilities, like, beyond that sort of setup and how that might have been... Might be left, left out of just, like, talking about, like, things in, like, a couple sort of focused way. Yeah, it does seem... It does seem that, that that is kind of the dominant model of what being a, I don't know, a grown-up or a good citizen or a good person or a successful person is. And I think that's really problematic. I've, like, I've seen some of, um, you know, some of the Yes campaign talking a little bit tongue-in-cheek that, you know, mm. someone like Tony Abbott is the villain in this Hollywood drama stopping gay people being happy. And... I, I guess, I mean, I can see how you, how one gets to that and why you might talk about it that way. But if, 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 if access to marriage, you know, in that narrative, access to marriage defines someone's happiness, I think is worrying and, and is possibly not helpful because what, what does it say about people who have different types of relationships or no relationships at all? Like, why, why put this, why put the focus on this as something that is so desirable um and in terms of then yeah what what sort of society i guess are we um setting up as being and, and what sort of ways of behavior yeah. are we saying are we sanctioning and saying yes this is a good this is this is what what we we should all aspire to and mm, yeah. I, and i mean i i don't think I was talking actually I was teaching yesterday and I was talking to students about this and some some said I just see it as an issue about equality you know and one student said you know 
I'm heterosexual, I can get married, I never want to get married, but I do, I do have that choice I'm able to, and I think others should have that too. Um, so I think some people are certainly, you know, uh, are not invested in, yeah. in marriage, but the narrative of the way that it's being run, um, mm. to me, says that. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, it's interesting, this, like, discourse of equality, um, especially when it doesn't not like, often sit alongside that marriage, like, isn't, like, a, like institutionally marriage is about privileging one relationship form other others, and that's, like, inherently unequal, and it yes. <laughs> messes over people who aren't married, single people, etc. Yeah. Um, and yet, like, it's been seen as this, like, paragon of equality. And, yeah, I'm sort of, like, wondering um, how to, like, shift away from this discourse of equality to something something else, understands, like, how power, like, functions systemically. I don't know. Yeah. Look, that's a big project. <laughs> um, I don't know. And I think in many ways we live in pretty conservative times and I think for example some of the response say to the safe schools campaign and the safe schools program is that I think at its heart it's, it's an incredibly radical kind of project in terms of deconstructing gender and asking people to think about that um, in a way that a marriage equality campaign doesn't but but we should use it I well you know, imagine if we used it to do that, um, to pull apart our gendered ideals and question what power and authority yeah. that comes with those. Because to me, that's a much more interesting exercise and mm. something that I think would be better for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And thinking about that, um, I recently watched like the first video of the No campaign that they put out that gender polices assign male at birth people, particularly like targeting trans feminine people with like the trope of boys in dresses. And, and I looked at like the response from most of them, like the yes campaign and rather than like attacking this trans misogyny yeah. directly, there's just been like generally like platitudes and just focusing on the marriage thing, which yeah. And I wonder to what extent that's, worrying that like conservatism and respectability is like winning out over actually defending um those people affected particularly like trans feminine people in the lgbtiq like community yeah. yeah i think and i guess that's that's precisely the point that it was funny because Jordi and i wrote this before any of the ads came out before the roles yeah. had closed and i guess in many ways that response is precisely the thing that we don't, we didn't want to see, but but wondered is that how it's being constructed? And it certainly appears that way. I mean, not everyone has, and I have, you know, I've seen a lot of responses on social media of people saying, you know, well, so what, and really calling it out for its, yeah. for the foul politics that it is uh, yeah. that's in that. But I. I can't agree more. I think that's precisely the thing that we should all be collectively standing up to and saying, no, 
you know, it's, it's not respectability that we're after. It, it's after um, greater understanding and diversity and mm. celebrating that um, and allowing that and yeah. taking care of that. Yeah. Have you noticed, like, any other, like, examples of, like, like, worrying, like, problems um, in sort of, like, like, the mainstream yes, like, campaign? I think that's the most glaring yeah. example um, recently. Um, yeah. And in some ways it's, I know that a lot of some of the literature and, and stuff going around is you know checking in with people are you okay in this time and sometimes it's the yes campaign that makes me most angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> i relate to that that's so much <laughs> so um yeah so, so i mean I, I i am following it and watching it but that's the one that i get most upset about because in many ways, I expect to see the no side hasn't said anything that I wouldn't have expected them not to say in the course yeah. of this. Um, and it's, it's the more creative responses and the ones that call out the ugliness of, of yes and the horribleness of that, that that I'm most, I guess, inspired by. Mm. But... In, in terms of the mainstream campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's interesting because it, it kind of feels like there is, like, in many ways, like, this issue being foregrounded by politicians or just being, like, political, like, football has... Yeah. In some ways, it's kind of seems there's like limited space to talk about a range of things it's all become this like yes or no th thing or not thinking too critically about the yes support whereas your article was making a point why you should be critical at the same time as um supporting like access to marriage yeah and i think that really is difficult and maybe another you know a neat example of why binary oppositions are really problematic and not helpful in a whole range of ways because I think you're right, it comes, you know, you kind of get this polar opposition, either you're yes or you're no, but there's, you know, there's a whole range of ways why someone might be yes and and that we should, we should be more interested in teasing those apart and placing this within a historical context and even our present day context of how the state in, treats a whole lot of people who are you know the people people who seek asylum and offshore detention and mm. you know kind of the gross human rights violations that are occurring in those areas um are, are all part of the picture about how the state regulates yeah. and treats human beings and this is part of it mm, yeah but there are other issues yeah, there are other issues, and I think at the same time the marriage stuff, like earlier in August, start up again. Like we saw, like this horrible border stuff happening, and another um, refugee died because of the Australian state um, on Manus Island. 
so yeah, like those issues like are important to foreground, I guess. Like if like this is being used as kind of a distraction in terms of by like because politicians love distractions. Yep. And framing things in a way it doesn't really get to like a lot of other things, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it it. Yeah, because it's something that's gained a lot of media attention, and I mean, and I do understand that this is very, this is important for some people, and I don't, I don't want to diminish that. But if you know some of the things, and I think we we wrote about that, the kind of the the way that people say some some of the yes campaign is about, you know, friends don't vote on other people's rights. Right, you know, rights aren't a natural thing that we have. There's they're regulated by institutions, by states, um, and that we, the Australian nation, is responsible right now for treating some people in appalling fashion, Indigenous people, yeah. locked, incarcerated at you know outrageous rates, mm. and I, I I wonder if if we say the state recognising some people and privileging some relationships over over others. It, it, it is part of this process where some people are considered, you know, more human, better than others. And mm. that's not something I think we should be striving for. Yeah, no. And I guess, like, while these things are happening, like, s- some of the, like, Yes campaign, like, has these images of, like, equality over, like, a map of Australia with, like, rainbow on it. Um, and it's just, like seems yeah. to sh- yeah i wonder i would think that's some sort of like rainbow nationalism and it's like yeah <laughs> yeah is is that is that part of a movement that we would we would support and i mean i think there's always going to be a diversity of political opinions yeah. and and that's not something I mean, that's a good thing. A diversity of political beliefs and debate and discussion, I think, is, is part of part of the world and life. But if if we can have real discussions rather than binary oppositions being opposed at each other, it might um, it might make for a more I, I guess a better place. And I think what you point out is right. The way the symbolism is is really interesting painting Australia in rainbow colours when we know there's a whole lot of, you know, horrible things going on that really require our energy and um, attention and activism, I think. Yeah, it, like, it does, like, run against any sort of campaign for Indigenous sovereignty to, like, paint yeah yeah australia as like owned in that way yeah um yeah i guess what are like some small things that can be done to like yeah push things more towards like a radical imagination i guess rather than just i think i already asked this question but i'm like mm. yeah do you mean like i mean like what can what can one do yeah, sh- mm. I don't know. This is just <laughs> no. Look, I, I think it's, I think it's difficult. I think talking about it is is a good place to start. Um, 
I, I mean, I don't think boycotting the postal survey is is a useful is a useful strategy. I know some people um, have suggested that, um, but I I mean, I guess in many ways in daily life, I would try to to you know to explain to explain my concerns to point out you know I don't think gender you know I think we need to think carefully about gender to deconstruct it to question it to not not have assumptions about um people's place in the world um but yeah in some ways I think the context is almost a little bit stifling (laughs) and I know when I've spoken to some people about it um they say very quietly oh yeah I yeah I have a problem with this too (laughs) that they that and and I mean we've had really good response to the article and I mean good as in people that people seem to want to talk about it so I think there possibly is a greater range um of of voices around but at the same time I you know I understand that people running the yes campaign have chosen a particular strategy because they want a political outcome which yeah is kind of how our politics works Mm. so I think it's it's difficult um yeah I guess like for those of us that aren't so single issue focused like there is this concern that I guess like I've read from overseas like in Canada early in the 2000s like a lot of like this energy all these resources that go into like these yes campaigns that have millions of dollars of resources that just disappears when the the single issue campaign is run so it's like yeah what can we do to talk about things so that people like have like a context and things don't disappear and we go like backwards in a more conservative like way potentially like when this is maybe like resolved by the state at some point yeah i think that's a really interesting point and one that we should think carefully about i don't i don't feel i have any any good answers to that um i mean particularly if you look at something like the rudd government and the apology to stolen generations Mm. i mean we could end up with a similar sort of scenario in which this happens and not that that's not insignificant but what happens next you know what radical change did we see i think the state still um you know well there's still racism in our country there's still you know there's still so many problems um that 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 one public act does not does not address like i don't think um having marriage equality addresses homophobia and the violence that is associated with that um I know some people would see it as a starting point for more systematic and radical change, but I'm not hopeful that that that's how that will play out. Um, But I guess, you know, we'll wait and see. Um, But, I mean, hopefully there, there are pockets of energy and activism that, you know, I guess always continue and will 
do that but it doesn't seem like that's what's happening now mm, yeah yeah we don't know what's gonna happen in the future no well we can't predict the future <laughs> no but yeah but yeah i suppose it's good that we're thinking about more of like this history more and like thinking about potential like problems and i guess that's like a start to like working things out in the future and wherever they go yeah, I mean, I guess, and I guess that's what we kind of hoped. And I guess we're coming from an academic perspective. Um, we've taught gender studies over, Geordie and I have both taught gender studies over a number of years and the kind of the conversations that I think queer theory, say in particular, makes us stop and think and discuss. And someone like Judith Butler says, you know, we need to have, be critical in our politics, that there's there's no easy answer to this, but if, if we can try to think carefully and stop and critique what's going on all the time in all aspects of our lives and politics, that that's a good thing. That's something that we should be encourage, encouraging ourselves and others to do. Yeah, cool. Thanks, unless... Yeah, thanks. Don't think I have anything else. Do you? No. Yeah. Thanks for a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for the great conversation. <laughs> You're listening to 3CR Radio. This is Natalie from Blue King Brown and you're listening to 3CR. Support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Yes, you're tuned into Creamier on 3CR. 855 AM on your AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au and on digital radio and podcasted. Um, that was the interview with Mary Tomzik, who co-wrote with Geordie Stilberstein an article in Overland's um, called Marriage Stinks. Um, we don't have much time left um, to go, listeners. Yep, and I have another thing going on, which is Strength in Visions, um, which is held at the No Vacancy Gallery, put on by Ripley Kavara and... That's opening this Wednesday and it has performances as well. So check that on the Fringe website and there's so much more and I've run out of time to plug anymore. So tune in next week to Cronia 3 to 4. Thanks to Encyclodalia before us and tune in for Hip Sister Hop. Um, so bye. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.